Do you feel stuck in your life, career, or business? And are you ready to take things to the next level? If we haven't had a chance to meet, my name is David Trotter, and I'm a transformation coach passionate about helping people just like you rise above your biggest barriers to reach your greatest goals. My superpower is helping people experience tremendous breakthroughs in a short period of time. If you give me 12 weeks, I'll help you launch that new project, go after that better job, or overcome that challenge in your business. To find out how I can help you, head on over to insporising.com slash coach. That's insporising.com slash coach. It's working and like people really like it. And um, I just never really got down on myself with the doubt of like, oh, will it continue? You know, will it still happen? I was just so positive with like, it, it's it's going to work and like it's showing itself. And I just really believed what was happening and just kept going with it. So Welcome to Inspiration Rising. My name is David Trotter, and I'm a business growth consultant. I'm passionate about helping business owners just like you rise above your biggest barriers to reach your greatest goals, all without the paralyzing overwhelm, feeling all alone, or wondering what the heck to do next. I'm a former pastor and a serial entrepreneur who's passionate about personal growth because that's what's helped me cultivate peace in my life and empowered me to love my amazing wife, Laura, of 26 years and our two almost grown kids. So if you're all about business, personal growth, and peace in your life, you're in the right place. I'm super glad that you're here. Hello, friends, and welcome back to Inspiration Rising. You know, I've talked to so many people who are dying to leave their day job, to pursue their dreams, to somehow find a way to enjoy living out their passion, and to make money in the process. Is that you? Is that something that you have dreamed of? Well, I have a story of someone who did just that, and she's making it big. Her name is Kelsey Moreira, and she's the founder of Dope, spelled D-O-U-G-H-P, and they sell raw, edible cookie dough in the most amazing flavors. Now, in 2017, she left her 10-year corporate career at Intel to launch her own business on the streets of San Francisco. And Dope experienced monumental growth in the first two years with revenue increasing 500% year over year. She was recently featured on ABC's Shark Tank, named a Forbes 30 Under 30, and a Las Vegas 40 Under 40. Now, in this conversation, you're going to hear all about her story of getting sober, the unique opportunity she had to start the business, and what it was like to appear on Shark Tank. Now, Kelsey was generous enough to give you a $5 off coupon code. You can use the word INSPORISING, I-N-S-P-O-R-I-S-I-N-G, all one word, at checkout for $5 off. That's at dope.com, D-O-U-G-H-P.com. I don't receive a penny from that. It's purely just a gift to you for you to check out their amazing raw edible cookie dough. Of course, you will hear that you can bake it as well, but why do that when you could eat it raw? You're going to love Kelsey, and I know you'll be inspired by her story. So let's jump into our conversation. Well, Kelsey, thanks so much for taking some time to hang with me today. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Happy to be here. Tell me the idea behind dope. Where did this come from? Um, well, namely loving cookie dough. So for one and just desserts in general, I've always loved to bake when I was a kid and 
Um, growing up, uh, my parents got divorced when I was young. And when I'd hang out with my mom, it was always like, a, you get to pick whatever recipe you want and we'll make it, you know, we'll do something together. And she loves to bake and cook anything. So she'd think, oh, we'll make like a dinner tonight. And I'm like, no, get the cookie book out. I want to make this cookie recipe. So I just always love desserts. And um, I really loved making them for other people, you know, watching someone take a bite of something you've made and like how transformative the experience of food can be to take you back uh, to such a strong memory. You know, you can take a bite of cookie dough in particular, and you're sort of transported back to like making cookies with your parents or your grandparents in the kitchen. And um, it just can evoke such strong emotions. So I really loved it. I I sort of lost sight of my time baking. Um, When I started into corporate America at just 16 years old and catapulted from like being a kid to oh my gosh, I've got to be all on and everything in this corporate job. And um, I coped with a lot of the stress with alcohol and had an unhealthy relationship with alcohol for about 10 years. And um, when I was still working uh, at Intel, this corporate job I'd gotten, um, it was in 2015 that I made the decision to finally get sober. And my life like totally changed. And all those passions and love for dessert, like I mentioned, just came flooding back. And I had the time and the energy to be baking, you know, nights and weekends for my job. I was back in the kitchen all the time, really like rediscovering what makes Kelsey Kelsey and what I love. So um, cookie dough came back into my life and I slowly but surely found a way to, um, yeah, give it a try and see if it could really be a career, you know, Um, kind of got this idea in my head of like, why does like work have to be one thing and hobby and passion have to be the other? Sure, like, sure. What if I could just talk about cookie dough every day? And now it's been about four years of talking about cookie dough every single day. That's <laughs> awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, you mentioned the whole process of um, sobriety and that's become a more of a, I would say a common topic these days, probably because alcohol is so pervasive in all aspects of life. Like it just, it seems like it's an assumption that if you're in business, you're going to be drinking at a, you know, networking event or getting together with friends. Um, I know for my wife and I, we've chosen not to really do that. I might have uh, an alcoholic beverage every once in a while, but um, was there, I'm just seeing a growing movement of this, you know, and um, was there a point at which you felt like, wow, this is just not serving me well anymore. And, you know, was there kind of that yeah. rock bottom moment or you just came to a realization or. Yeah. And I think like you're mentioning, so many people are finding all of the shades of this, you know, everyone has a different route to evaluating their relationship with alcohol. Like right. at the end of the day, I think it's become more common to not consider you have to be an alcoholic to stop drinking yeah. so much as like alcohol wasn't adding value to my life and I'm doing it less like in your case or not doing it at all in a case like mine. Um, I had like a mid rock bottom or like a my rock bottom, you know, I sort of had enough, oh my God, moments over those 10 years of drinking that were like, man, I, I'm really embarrassed about what happened. It doesn't represent who I am as a person. And I just felt like an idiot continuing to say it's never going to happen again. And then the next time I went out to drink, it would happen again. And I, I found like many people, there's just some of us that are not built to have a tolerance for alcohol. It just doesn't react well in my body. Um, I just did things that I wouldn't want to do otherwise when I wasn't drinking. And if I get half a margarita in me, Kelsey, oh, (laughs) it's not good. It is. I am like making jokes I should not make. It is. My wife's like, "Mm, put that down. (laughs) Yeah, just silly stuff sometimes. And then and then sometimes more serious, like enough drinks. And it was like, uh, you know, I got hospitalized a couple of times in college. I got tickets with the police and. Um, 
you know, it's, it's like, that's not me, you know, like I, I had all this stuff on the surface of like, I loved like all the things I was doing in, uh, at Intel and all the things I was learning and how dedicated I was to my career. But then it was like outside of work was just being filled with like going out and binge drinking, you know, and having, having too much, uh, fun in air quotes, you know, it's like, was it really fun in the end? So yeah, um, yeah for me, a final night of just another episode. And it was, um, I just thought, gosh, I'm, I'm out of college. I was a few years out of college at that point. There's no more excuses of like, oh, I'll get it together. Or it's just mm-hmm. party days. And it's like, I just really can't, I can't hang and it doesn't add anything positive. So, um, I stopped drinking completely and it's just been the best decision ever. You know, I had, mm-hmm. I tried to, um, get sober for a period of time when I was 21, which should be a sign in itself. If you're 21 and already having this kind of like come to Jesus about <laughs> it. But um, that lasted for four months. And I said, you know, I think I've got this reset. I'll be able to do it responsibly now. And that was just not true. I just couldn't do it. So this time was like, all right, I'm smarter than this. I can just, I can call it good. And like you said, I've been joined by many people in the last few years that are just realizing like alcohol doesn't serve them well. And um, that's been a welcomed movement for me, all the mocktails and non-alcoholic drinks. And there's just, there's a whole industry coming out of this idea that we can have even more fulfilling life without alcohol. Yeah, absolutely. The way I describe it is that the, um, the downsides, uh, the risks are so much greater than the rewards in my opinion. And so, I mean, I, I think I had a sip of an alcoholic beverage, like maybe six, maybe nine months ago. Like that was a last, I, it's just not part of my life because once again, I've seen um, family members and people get DUIs and it is so expensive and so the possibility, you know, I, the way I, my kids are, <laughs> right. Yeah. My kids are 21 yeah. and 17. And I go, Hey, here's the deal. Um, if you accidentally kill someone, you will be behind bars possibly for years. And yeah. that that's, that's not scare tactic. Like that's reality. Um, yeah. so when I look at that, I go, I, I don't feel like I have judgment on people that do drink. It's like, Hey, if that, that if that's working for you. But for me, yeah. the risks are just really high. Um, yeah. And, and probably. I think, I- uh, oh, sorry. I was just going to say, I think the benefits are also so great of like um, being more in touch with your emotions and feelings and, yeah. you know, alcohol in our society sort of became this crutch of like, I can just drink to not feel, or I can drink to celebrate. It was like, if you're happy or you're sad, go out and get a drink. And sure, now sure. without alcohol, you're like, I am doing all of the human emotions, you know, like I'm, I'm doing positive things when I'm happy and I'm doing positive things to try and get through hard times. Um, instead of putting a toxin in my body to try and numb the emotion. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Thanks for sharing all that. Yeah. I loved, um, a recent social media post, you know, it's kind of this common thing of how it started and how it's going. And I loved your post of the, you know, one, it looked like, you know, handcrafted, you know, made, uh, in my apartment. <laughs> made in your apartment, you know, yeah. bowl of uh, cookie dough versus this big pallet of tons of uh, containers. What's the difference between the first few months in business versus now? Help us feel that, that how it started and how it's that, going. That gravity, right? I was just talking about this with someone, how um, unique it is to be in these moments of like, uh, the new challenges you face with where you are versus like what it was like in the beginning. And yeah, that picture in the beginning was me with two tubs of dope. We used to have these like eight ounce, like clear tubs, you know, that are just deli containers with a dope sticker on the top. Yeah. 
And I was, um, I think I was still making, making the dough. I would cart ingredients over from San Francisco in a wagon on the public transit to Oakland, to my commercial kitchen, make like a hundred pounds of dough, which at the time I was like packing into like gallon Ziploc bags. Cause I didn't know about plastic Cambro containers. And then I would cart it all back on the, on the train back to San Francisco for the week, store it in my apartment and then pack containers for orders that I would be delivering around the city or for catering events that I was doing. And, and why were you going from San Francisco to Oakland? Were you living, working? I was living in SF and the um, commercial kitchen was in Oakland. So commercial kitchen space is really hard to come by in San Francisco. And when you're a new idea, you know, there's a long waiting list for all the kitchens, but I was like, Nope, I got to do it. Like, you know, really just kind of like sold my vision and my story and and got into this kitchen in Oakland. So I was really grateful for that opportunity. It was a, you know, that's another thing that changes over time, your view of price, you know, what it will cost a month to rent space there and everything. It just seemed like astronomical to me in the beginning, but I, I think it was like, like $400 a month or something, you know, and then our, you know, rent at one of our storefronts down the road becomes like in the thousands and thousands of dollars a month. So changes very quickly, but, um, yeah, tons of like manual labor back then, just hauling things. Like I've got pictures of my legs back then from loading up for all the events, just black and blue splotches all over. Cause I was so bruised up carting it from my apartment into this tiny, like 1908 elevator that they had in San Francisco in that, that apartment to go down and then load it into a Lyft or an Uber to go to the event, unload, do the event, load back up, you know, the whole thing. So it was just, it was very exciting back then. You know, I think about the passion I had and the excitement I had. Um, it's different now, but it was so like, holy crap. I can't believe like there's people like buying it or I can't believe I just served this event at like Cisco for 800 people, you know, 800 people got to try my product today. It was like those, uh, those firsts were really incredible. You know, the first food festival we were ever at and we sold like $4,000 in a day or something. I was like, Oh my gosh, you know, working. Like, it's working and like people really like it. And, um, I just never really got down on myself with the doubt of like, Oh, will it continue? You know, will it still happen? I was just so positive with like, it's, it's going to work and like it's showing itself. And I just really believed what was happening and just kept going with it. So, um, yeah, very challenging in the beginning, no employees at that time, you know, I was running hand deliveries around the city. Um, did did you save up and quit your job? Is that, is that how you were able to make that transition? Yeah. So I had been saving over the years, you know, I'm, I'm not a very like splurge person. I don't like luxury stuff very much. Um, so I've always been relatively responsible and having worked at Intel from 16, it was, you know, paid even back then, um, quite well. So I had, I had saved a fair amount of money and, um, used, uh, I think it was around $5,000 in the first year. So like kind of 2,500 in that first month to get everything off the ground and going. Um, and I Were you was still uh, working your corporate job. So corporate job was, I was 10 years at Intel at the time when I decided to start dope and I was preparing for my sabbatical. So you get 10 weeks off. I had 10 weeks off paid, uh, which I had planned. I still have the Google sheet from my trip around the world, you know, that I was going to do over those 10 weeks um, and go travel like many people do. And this idea had come into my head for dope a few months before sabbatical was going to start. And so I just got it. And I'm like, you know what, this is one crazy chance to be able to start a business with like a safety net, you know, like there'll be a job for me afterwards and it's 10 weeks paid. And 
Um, and let's try it, you know, let's go and see what happens. So nights and weekends before that, I'd gotten like the licensing ready and the, the recipe down and the kitchen lined up and sort of got the pieces ready. And then April 20th of 2017 was the first day of my sabbatical. And I went out with this cart I had built and a hundred pounds of cookie dough and we sold out in like three hours. So I just went from there, like figuring out where else it would work and what else I would do. Um, and within the 10 weeks, you know, that end of it came and I was supposed to go back and go back to work. Right. You know, and I had to call my boss and be like, I have two events in SF today. Like I can't come down to Santa Clara. I'm going to have to put in my notice. I, I'm really going to do this thing. Um, I'm going to pursue it. So uh, it's crazy looking back now. I, you know, we must have been at like maybe, maybe $30,000 in sales or something at that point. Um, some big catering events and stuff that we had gotten, but yeah, 20 to 30, maybe. And to say like, I'm going to quit my corporate career and go follow this. Like in hindsight, it is so crazy, but I was just in it. Like I said, that feeling of just like, it's going to work, it's going to be something and I'm going to do it. So, you know, my parents like, Oh, are you sure you want to do that? And I think like my brother thought I was having like a quarter life crisis, you know, he's like, okay. She's like sober now living in SF, quitting her job for a cookie dough company. She's going to go burning man next or something. (laughs) But you know, it, it's, it's obviously, it was the right choice. Um, sure. looking back, talk to me about this experience of shark tank from casting all the way to the pitch. Cause I know you don't, you don't just, you know, apply and then boom, you're on the show. There's gotta be a long <laughs> process to this, you know? So take us through a little bit of the behind the scenes of that. Yeah, man. I wish it was that easy. Cause it was like to the nail to get to it. Um, I did do an open casting call. So I, it's not like I knew anyone at Shark Tank. I don't have any family uh, that's entrepreneurs, much less in like show business or anything. So it was really a, um, yeah, from the outside in, let's see if I can do it. And I almost didn't go. I had an employee who was like, no, you need to do it. I already prepped the samples for you. Like come by and pick them up. You should go. Uh, Cause I was kind of as positive as I am in other stuff that feels like way too much of a realistic thing of like, okay. okay there's a 0.002% chance that you make it on the show. In a right. you know, and it's like, that's just why, like, I think I'm awesome, but that's crazy. So <laughs> I was like, I don't know. And and she really pushed me over the edge to do it. So I went with my samples at like 6am to go sit on the curb in SF waiting in the line. Um, I think there were about like 500 other people in line that day there. Um, and, you know, sitting with two other people who had these like quirky, interesting ideas, you know, talking to them about their pitch and their product. And, um, just like, holy cow, we'll see, you know, and I felt like one tiny pebble, you know, on the beach, one tiny little granule of sand or something on the right. beach with all these other people and their ideas, listening to the casting director, Mindy kind of give the rundown. Um, but yeah, the, the pitch went great at 90 seconds to go up to the, um, sort of casting teams. They had little tables set up for you to pitch and, um, they, you're only supposed to have 90 seconds flat. And after I was sort of done talking, he just starts asking questions and then like calls over the executive producer to come and try the dough. And then they're chewing on it. I'm like, Oh my God, it's been like three, four minutes, you know, and I'm still here. This is awesome. So I felt very positive about how that had gone here. They were loving the dough, like how it tasted and they loved the, um, you know, story of how I got started and everything. And we weren't, um, we weren't as full blown in what we do around dope for hope today, as we were then I had launched the initiative, um, our efforts around mental health and addiction recovery, but it was, um, you know, kind of in its early stages there. So they could see there's like, hmm, there's a bigger reason, like why this company exists than just to sell cookie dough. Uh, so yeah, I got the call back and that turned into 
video submissions, a few rounds of that, a few hundred pages of like contracts and documents to sign. Um, sort of like a, and it, it was much pre-lawyer for me. So I was totally just reading it myself. Like this seems fine. And sure, they must uh, know what they're doing. <laughs> they must know. And also, you, you know, some big contracts like that, you sort of get this sense of like, well, they're not going to negotiate with me, you know, like they're not going to let me change anything in it. Uh, yeah, actually, this has been the way it is for a long time. I want to be on their show, you know, kind of thing. So uh, signed all the dotted lines and, um, yeah, I just got slowly, but surely through each of those rounds. And it was around four months later, I want to say that I, I got the, like, okay, you are going to be filmed for the show. Um, I think from May to, to just before September and you get like a, you know, two week notice that you're going to be filmed to do all the final prep. Um, I built a stage, you know, like you have to build your little set and everything of what you want to bring on. So we had this like 10 foot wall of greenery that said legit cookie dough with one of our neon signs on it. And um, yeah, I drove it down in a U-Haul with one of my employees um, and went on the show and it's very surreal, you know, surreal is the most like precise word I can use for that feeling before the doors open. Cause it's like out of body of like, I've seen this on TV and now I'm the one that's going to walk down. Imagine. Yeah. Very odd, you know, and I, I'm a solo founder from the beginning. I luckily have my husband in the business now as sort of a co-CEO. Um, but I was alone then, you know, when I was doing Shark Tank and standing there by yourself before those doors open. I mean, it was the most intense moment of my life of nerves I think you know like more than anything more than like getting married I was just gonna say was it more intense than walking down the aisle I don't know if you walk down an aisle but like (laughs) yeah yeah more intense and um just you have this in your head of like not only are these you know people that I'm about to stand in front of extremely powerful and could dramatically change the course of my life there's also going to be x million people that see this not only at the airing, but as it reruns, which it just reran yesterday, for example. So another 6,000 people came to our site yesterday at 6 p.m. when it uh, when it aired again. So, you know, you have this like, holy cow, like what happens right now is it's recorded forever, you know, figure it out. And I was so nervous. And then they're counting down from like what feels like 100 off set, you know, to get everybody in line. There's like 200 people off stage. And and then they hit it and the doors open and I walked and um, hit my mark and you have to stand there for 30 seconds and stare at the sharks so they can capture sort of like thinking faces without <laughs> talking. And most awkward experience, you know, because I'm such a bubbly, smiley person and they're like, you need to be not smiling. You need to have like a serious face on. <laughs> so I was like, I hit it and I was like, okay, you know, can't help but break a little bit of a smile. Um, and then they say go, you know, off stage once they've had their had enough time of that and you have to start your pitch. And um, I just I like nailed it. I felt like I'd prepared for that my whole life. And I all the things I'd done in my life to that point, um, you know, really led me there and made me feel so prepared to present my business, my passion, my story and uh, in a really articulate way. So I just prepared the hell out of it. Flashcards for your numbers and everything. Um, I wasn't going to get, I wasn't going to be that entrepreneur caught off guard, not knowing, you know, some, uh, some conversion rate, this and that, you know, yeah. Yeah. Traffic number just, yeah. So fun to hear that behind the scenes. I can't even imagine the stress of just that moment, the surreal feeling out of body, all the things that you described totally makes sense. I want to read a quote from Mark Cuban that I know you are very familiar with. 
Um, but he, he said on the show, what you've done is amazing. And everything about it says it's a good investment. The conflict I have is the whole obesity thing and getting behind a product that's saying eat more. What did you say back to him? And if you could say something to him now, what would you say to him now if there would be anything different? Yeah. I mean, in part now I would say thank you for saying what he said, because it's an incredible thing to have a quote from Mark Cuban that says everything you've done, you know, it says it's a good investment. So, uh, and that his reasoning was around, you know, it being not good for people from a health perspective, right. That it's not a health food and it's encouraging, uh, you know, aiding in the obesity epidemic, for example, you know, looking at it like that. Um, which I feel like is a very defensible point. It's a, it is a dessert, you know, at the end of the day, it's a dessert and it's for a uh, treat yourself moment, something to feel good. And we all need that. You know, we can all live in a world of eating kale salads 24 seven, but at some point you just need to have something nice, some treat, something that feels good to have. Um, is he against all cakes, all cookies, all uh, yeah. ice cream. Like, is he anti-dessert? What's going on here? Yeah. Tons of people on Twitter, like does Mark know what they sell in his stadiums and arenas? Um, yeah, I just feel like, you know, that's our, that's our world. There's so much out there that's bad and it's all about enjoying things in moderation, have a few vices. I mean, hell, when I stopped drinking, I was like, absolutely. I'd love dessert. Thank you. Bring the menu over. You know, I just felt like there's a, there's a give and take in life to have a healthy balance. And, um, with all that we do around mental health, I certainly would argue today that we are great for people's health. It's just in a different context, you know? So I think um, there's a lot of good to look at it. And it, it's valuable advice on considering um, formats of which we serve the dough, you know, having, we've got our smaller size, just a five ounce cup. So a bit of portion control there. Um, and we're exploring, you know, constantly exploring new product opportunities that would allow for better portion control and whatnot. But yeah, yeah at the end of the day, dope is a, you know, dig in, enjoy it. We made it with six all natural ingredients. So flour, butter, brown sugar, baking soda, flaxseed, vanilla, and salt. You'd find it in your pantry, you know, nothing crazy. And then add chocolate chips or add Oreos or, you know, um, ways to make it, make it a fun dessert, but that you would be able to make it home, no preservatives. And I think we've done a good job making an indulgent treat uh, responsibly. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, I loved people pointing out online his uh, disconnect in his values in that he recently um, invested in a, I guess it's a restaurant or something that was just designed to be totally decadent yeah. in terms of fried foods and, uh, and the like. Yeah. Like 2000 calorie sandwiches and stuff like yeah. it's the intention to be over the top. Yeah. Yeah. And he invested in that. What's up with that, Kelsey? Come on. I know. Come on, Mark. Yeah. That was very odd. The only thing I can say is I have to hope that they recorded that was actually aired the episode after mine, which sort of stirred up even more controversy because he had literally just, he and the other sharks sort of chimed in on that it wasn't a healthy product. Yeah. And then the next one, they're like battling over uh, the fat shack, you know, with these sandwiches and whatnot that are intended to be grotesque of sorts, you know, with the calorie yeah. um, intake. Uh, and in my own episode, there was sauce moto that they aired with it, um, which was like, while you're eating fast food, while you're driving, dipping containers to hold the sauce. So it was like, how is a, a cookie dough company, you know, that's just a, a dessert, like many that have come before me. I mean, look right. at sprinkles of cupcakes or dipping dots or, you know, froyo shops. Like well, I'm not the, the only one doing dessert. Um, it was just kind of like, what order did these get, you know, recorded? And maybe there was some news break about the obesity epidemic that day that they were 
filming my episode and it was like on everyone's mind or something. Uh, yeah, kind of escaped me. I don't, I don't know. I think I think it has something to do though with uncooked cookie dough. That that's that's somehow seen as like worse of a of a you know decadent thing because you're like eating it off the spoon before you put it in. I, I don't know why that's yeah. considered worse, but I think culturally somehow that's considered worse. Yeah, like it feels more guilty, like a guilty yeah. pleasure sort of. Um, yeah. I mean, which probably stems in part from it actually having bad health effects if it was the um, you know previous way of eating uncooked cookie dough with raw flour, contains eggs, um, you know, dope is made with heat treated flour and we don't use any eggs. So you can safely eat it raw. And oddly, you know, if you look at the calorie intake of a Ben and Jerry's pint of ice cream, there are many which a serving passes, I mean, 400 calories, you know, in a serving, those really kind of over the top ones, 300, 400, we have 260 calories in same size serving of dope. So um, we also were contacted by someone, we don't, I don't have an interest in being a health food company, so we don't publicize this, but uh, a diabetic woman reached out and said, you know, it's amazing you guys don't promote this on your site more. You're the only cookie dough that doesn't spike my blood sugar levels. I've tried all these other brands that just go through the roof and whatever you've done to make yours, you know, isn't, isn't spiking my blood sugar um, and I'm able to have it. So I thought that was really cool. You know, we, we don't use any white sugar in the recipe, just brown sugar. And I really focused on making something more like buttery molasses melt in your mouth, um, not just zing your teeth with sugar. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we got a lot going. <laughs> That's great. Take that, Mark Cuban. Yeah, but call me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Talk to me about the pandemic over the last year. How has that impacted your business? Has it helped? Has it hurt? Walk us through that. Just both. You know, I really do have a both answer there. Um, emotionally, extremely challenging because even in the area where it did help our business, it was how do we manage this exponential growth? You know, we grew our e-commerce business hundred X in four months at the beginning of the year, the fulfillment elements of that were just like out of this world, you know, really went through the ringer this summer, um, particularly through hot months, you know, when there's already those complications to figure out. So uh, lots of like a learning curve there, um, brick and mortar on the, you know, very much so other side, it had been the main uh, mainstay of our business from the beginning. You know, I got, a kiosk on Market Street in San Francisco in 2017, later in 2017, opened Pier 39, and then um, closed that at the end of 2019 after just opening up our flagship store in Vegas. So we had the Vegas storefront and, you know, in February started hearing about coronavirus and we're like, gosh, that's weird. This thing going on in China, you know, it just all seemed so far away, but it was like, oh shoot. But did you hear that convention got canceled? You know, the global, this or that got canceled. And then, and Vegas lives off convention traffic. You know, if they're that Las Vegas convention center doesn't have an open day during convention season, it's, they are turning over the next night for the next convention to start. There's just never a downtime. Um, and slowly, but surely it was all canceled. And, you know, I, travel, tourism in general starts slowing down. And then mid-March, we get the like, the state is going into lockdown and the casinos are closing. Like what in the world, you know? Um, In hindsight, Nevada was only around like, I think they had 2000 cases in total or something at the time when the lockdowns happened, but it was also new and unknown. And so the the shutdown goes on and we at the time, because e-commerce had been already kind of picking up, 
um, we've kind of taken a shift in November of, of the year before 19 saying like, let's make e-commerce, you know, a bigger part of our business. Everything's so reliant on brick and mortar. We should try and have something else almost like clairvoyant to what would come down in, sure. in 2020. Um, so we had been doing graveyard shifts while the store was um, closed at night to pack and produce for our e-commerce orders. And now with the closure happening, we're like, we're going to lose access. We had like 12 hours notice that we were going to lose access to our store where we produced the dough, packed the dough and ran our entire operation. Um, so we had a hop, skip and a jump to, you know, a co-packer. Um, it was another restaurant uh, bakery in the city that was shutting down. So we were able to use their facility because um, it was off the strip. You know, our facility was now going to be like closed off with this casino. Um, so moved everything there, ended up having to move when we outgrew that to a new place um, to keep up with the e-commerce growth and then out to fulfillment centers from there. The store being closed was like such an eerie feeling, you know, having to um, take something that had been your main focus and just completely come to a grinding halt, um, you know, and lay off staff and everything, you know, you have all this like kind of uh, implications from it on the people side that are really hard um, and hard to like feel okay with in your in yourself that like the business was actually doing really well online but we had to close and lay off everyone because the store was closed right. and so it's like you just feel awful about having to make these decisions when it's people's livelihood that you're talking about so um yeah we we managed to make it through this growth on e-commerce with the store shut down, um, kind of, you know, the operational burden of running a, a brick and mortar store being shut down while going through that growth was helpful to focus on. But um, yeah, just really challenging. Got to reopen in June and the sales were down like 82% year over year. Wow, and wow. it just was not picking up. And um, yeah, we needed to find a path forward. So we ended up deciding to close that store in October and um yeah. And I move on with e-commerce being the main, main focus for us. Yeah. Uh, thanks for sharing that. So, I mean, you share it with a smile and I know that's got to really be a lot of tears, you know, behind that yeah. whole journey, a lot of, a lot of hard work. Yeah. Um, talk to me though, about this mission of dope for hope and what is that? How is that connected to all of what you're doing? Yeah. So given my journey into sobriety and my choice to slowly start sharing that on Dope's uh, Instagram handles where it sort of began and, and Facebook, um, I had an event for that opening of the kiosk I mentioned. We we're having a big grand opening event. And on that Facebook event, I wrote um, it was happening on my two year sobriety anniversary. So if you say it's dope to be sober, like coupon code, you know, you'll get 20 percent off. And uh, the response that we got from that was like incredible. People reaching out, like wanting to share their journey with sobriety, ask questions about my journey with it, uh, congratulate, you know, me and thanking them for thanking me for the, you know, vulnerability to share something yeah. that's usually so taboo. And I just had this light switch that was like light bulb go off. That was people really want to talk about this. And a lot of people are going through this shared experience that like, I had no idea, you know, I only knew all right, well, there's six people that get together on Mission Street at this AA meeting you know, on Tuesdays. And like, that's my circle. Like, you know, you just don't really know that there's so many other people right. going through what you're going through. And um, it felt like we were really starting to get a more growing presence online and like with the um, with the kiosk opening. And I just thought, you know, I have a chance to say something, even if it's only to like 5,000 people on Instagram, like that's still something. And, sure, um, sure. and I think it'll grow. So like, let's make this a company that, you know, means something and, um, and has like a focused effort with what we want to make an impact on. So 
I launched Dope for Hope um, to reduce the stigmas around mental health and addiction recovery. We have a Dope for Hope pledge on our website. So you can sign this pledge that says you'll be there for a friend when they need you and you'll reach out for help when you need it. Um, we work a lot with like American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. We worked with them in the past. So lots of just trying to remind people that like it's okay to not be okay and you can reach out for help when you need it. Uh, we have Mental Health Mondays on our Instagram and Facebook. So some positive um, pick me up on your social feed that morning. And we donate 1% of all of our sales to nonprofits that work in this space. Um, we just ended a year with Community Counseling Center. Um, they provide affordable mental health care and substance abuse treatment to those who can't afford it. And uh, 2021, we're about to announce our partnership. So you're getting like sneak peek with uh, She Recovers and they help women um, recovering from addiction and life challenges and behavioral issues of all types. Um, so providing life-saving resources to them. I don't know how big of an announcement it is, Kelsey, because it's on your website. I mean, come on. <laughs> I did throw it on there, sneak peek, but press release and all that good stuff is coming. So the social team is like, just wait, wait to talk about it. <laughs> but I get excited. They're awesome. And it's, they really view recovery in much the same light and uh, philosophy that I do. Um, there's not one path for everybody. There's not one answer for everybody. It's not cut and dry for everybody and that we all really need community. So they started out as a Facebook group to have people be able to interact around addictions from whatever, you know, recovery from whatever they're um, recovering from, be it, you know, sex addiction, food addiction, substance use disorders. So um, all the likes, there's so many commonalities to share and in being a community and that's grown to around 300,000 women now. Um, just an incredible group, so supportive. I joined it and thinking like, okay, you know, sure they got all these followers, but we'll see how engaged everyone is. And it's like, yeah. no, people are sharing like very intimate things and really have support there. There's like 80 women that commented back with their experience or ideas or tips on how to help. And, um, just really cool. Very, very supportive group. So, um, they do workshops around the country and yeah, every purchase of dope will help to support what they're doing. Awesome. We'll be sure to link to She Recovers in the show notes. Uh, we'll link to that Facebook group, um, of course. Kelsey, um, one last question for you. Um, we have a lot of women who are listening that either are, you know, have their own business or want to start their own business. And yet there's obviously that sense of like nervousness or anxiety of should I start this? What should I do? You know, you've been through that journey and you've been successful. A lot of people aren't right? There's, it's challenging to launch a business. Um, what would you say to the person who's considering, you know, starting with their big idea? What would you say to her today? Yeah. I mean, I think I have three tips for her. So one is operate as if success is inevitable, which I think I talked a little bit about today. It's like, you just got to go forward with this idea that what you're doing is the right thing and putting that energy out in the world will line up exactly what you need when you need it. Um, and as you get started, making sure you hire for what you suck at. So figuring out what your special sauce is going to be and do everything you can to make that your core focus, um, staying really in line with not only what you're doing on the product offering side and everything, but functionally, you know, what are you doing that, um, you add unique value to and trying to hire for the rest. Uh, and my third tip would be to read, you are a badass. I read this book when I was still working at Intel and it was about four months later that I quit my job. So I love this book. It really does a great job of shaking up how we view um, money, scarcity versus abundance, viewpoint on money, 
um, just some of those fears that lock people into like, no, I just need to do this, this safe path. And there's something like innate inside us. If you really believe you have the, no matter what ability to generate wealth and you'll find a way it it just will happen. I think it kind of ties in again with that success is inevitable thing. Like if you believe you can, you will. And, uh, if you believe you can't, you won't. So yeah, just find that confidence inside to just go for it and say to hell with the rest of it. We're doing it. That's awesome. Thank you, Kelsey. Ah, I just love your energy. I'm so um, happy for you. So happy that you've been able to, you know, navigate all of those shifts and changes. You are a resilient person with lots of grit. Um, So I celebrate what you're doing. And of course, we'll send everybody to dope, D-O-U-G-H-P.com to uh, buy some dope and, but the good kind of dope, right? That's that's what's up. (laughs) Was that URL available or did you have to buy it from somebody? Uh, I did have to buy it. It was like dope.life or something was owning dope.com for a while. So we we bought it. It was like five grand, but totally worth it. We used to be eatdope.com and all that, but yeah. So finally got it. (laughs) Yes. And you know, the name was funny. I said to a friend, we're brainstorming all these dough puns and I'm like, I just really want to make a dope dessert company, you know, somewhere that's like relates with you and I, and like, is in our generation. She was like, wait, dope could have dough in it, you know, let's do it. So, um, though it's had many other connotations down the road of like, it's, it's the good kind of dope to be hooked on or, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, it's, it's really fun. And it comes from wanting to make something just really cool and relatable. Awesome. Thanks so much, Kelsey. Thanks for having me. Hey, congrats on listening to another episode of Inspiration Rising. Why congrats? Because you're pouring education and inspiration into your mind and heart. And that's something we all need if we're going to grow our businesses and reach our goals in life. Now, if you enjoy Inspiration Rising, do us a favor, share it with a friend, take a screenshot of your favorite episode and text it to them. Tell them to search for Inspiration Rising on their favorite podcast app and click subscribe. And if you haven't already, be sure to sign up for Inspo Text. That's our daily inspirational text messages. Just text me right now at 949-401-6090. That's 949-401-6090. Just say, hey, Dave, what's up? You'll get an automated reply with a link where you can add yourself as a contact. And of course, you can always unsubscribe. I want you to know today that you're inspired, empowered, and loved. Not because of the way you feel or what anyone else says about you, but because that's your true identity.